Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Badbeat Brennan. Uh, John, your Twitter feed over the weekend was uh, nothing but you venting about your football bets, so let's use the podcast as therapy. You have a captive audience, I give you the floor to get whatever you need to off your chest. Oh, thank you, Eric. Um, I'm at peace, my brother. I, I really wow, am. Right. Um, sure, the uh, you know the Cowboys got a, uh, a backdoor over cover touchdown and uh, lost on that one. And um, Jason Garrett, the coach, is not real good at math, so he went for one and uh, they lost by eight. And I had seven and a half. And uh, Sean Payton of the Saints, who was a great coach, um, was not really. Um, Paying attention to the yardage line, it seemed, uh, late in the game when the Saints had a chance to go up nine and cover my eight-and-a-half-point pick, and the field goal was missed. <laughs> but um, the change to my budgeting and all that is that uh, when you don't feel the karma, you don't make a wager. And that's pretty much what I did. So uh, I, I expected all those things to happen, and they did, and I just watched fairly painlessly. And uh, the bottom line to my budgeting now is that I will have no topping on my next pizza order to square things away completely. <laughs> I didn't fight the karma and uh, and lived to tell about it. Right. Okay. That's that. If that's all that this cost you, then uh, then then I think you'll be okay. Yeah. I will. <laughs> all right. Good for good for you for uh, taking the high road and, and not complaining. Although you kind of complained in your non-complaint, but it was uh, it was it was tastefully done. <laughs> so thank you to everyone uh, out there for joining us for episode number 23 of Gamble On. If you missed any of our previous 22 episodes, you can find them all on SoundCloud or on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. And if you really want to make things easy on yourself, subscribe so you never miss an episode. Yes, and Eric, uh, coming up a little later in the podcast, we're going to be speaking to William Hill U.S. CEO Joe Asher about the various moves that the company has made in the last several years and what's on the horizon for William Hill. Uh, But first, we've had a very busy news week in the gambling world, so let's get right to it. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. Sports betting legality news went mainstream this week, and not in a good way. Uh, We discussed this in December as a hypothetical. Uh, On Monday, it became reality. 
the Department of Justice reversed the 2011 opinion on the Wire Act, saying essentially that Wire Act prohibitions apply to all forms of uh, interstate gambling, not just sports betting. Uh, some in the gaming community immediately hit the panic button as if it was Black Friday all over again. Some experts dismissed this out of hand and said it's just an opinion, nothing significant will change. Many headlines got it completely wrong and pushed the anti-gambling talking points and declared online gambling illegal. I think we can say with confidence that this isn't the end of legal online gambling in America, but there's not a lot we can say with total confidence beyond that. Um, you know, this might be the tiniest of bumps in the road. It might significantly slow the expansion of online gaming, and it could very likely be a knife through the heart of online poker, at least in terms of shared liquidity. What's your best guess, John, as to how serious this is? And I know you talked to some industry experts. What did they have to say? Well, you know, it's easy for me to say compared to many in the industry who, whose livelihoods are uh, perhaps affected here. But, you know, a closer reading of the 23-page opinion, and I did read it, uh, it, it says at its heart that Congress or the courts needs to step in and clarify a number of longstanding questions about uh, gambling in the U.S. And, and that's a good thing. You know, to the extent that the opinion achieved that while also managing to please Las Vegas billionaire Sheldon Adelson and other anti-online gaming folks, uh, it's kind of impressive in its artfulness. Um, you know, I was complaining on the podcast last month that I'm only one month older than the Federal Wire Act that supposedly tells us what's what on all these topics. And, right. and JFK was president when I was born. So uh, so some sort of clarity has been long overdue. And this opinion is really bound to bait somebody into seeking an injunction that gets the ball rolling. Uh, kind of takes me back shades of 2012 in sports betting when New Jersey goaded the sports leagues into a lawsuit that ultimately, ultimately blew up in their collective faces. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a good uh, good balanced viewpoint on this. Um, the thing about it that, that really bothers me is just the headlines from respected news outlets that obviously did none of their own research on this. That drives me nuts. You know, I, I hate to use the term fake news because it is so often misapplied, but I think it does apply here. Uh, Bloomberg headline, online gambling to be illegal. Uh, Yahoo Finance Department of Justice now says all online gambling is illegal, not just sports gambling. Uh, Fortune Justice Department says all online gambling is illegal. The terrorists have won, John. Uh, seriously, the, the, the fear mongers told media outlets what to print, and uh, some of those outlets didn't question it at all, and, and that's infuriating to me. So I think it's important that we put out there a public a service announcement that online gambling is not illegal. Anywhere that it was legal last week, it's still legal this week. Uh, you let U.S. News and World Report off the hook, too. By uh, they, they made the same uh, okay. blunder for the same reasons. But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously it's a, uh, a cultural issue at this point where there are many topics that um, the traditional media is too shorthanded to have people cover, um, which is actually good for us. But um, <laughs> it's not so good for the public in general if they're not right. aware of us and some others who, who are more knowledgeable on, on the subject. But, yes, clearly, I mean, even even online poker compacts um, are not necessarily affected, but hmm. certainly the, the water is muddied there. And right. and, and even um, online lottery is the other one that, that has an issue. Uh, but like I say, this is going to force a court case and um, we'll get some kind of resolution. And obviously it may not uh, go the way some people like, but um, you know, the sports betting case, all the years that I covered it for six years, um, whenever the New Jersey would lose in court, the opinions of the judges would very invariably be, yeah, this is kind of a dumb law or it doesn't really make sense or I'm not sure what they were thinking, but we have to uphold it. And and this opinion in particular um, is really 
uh, at least as questionable, and it doesn't even have the, the force that the law did. So uh, I think once uh, judges actually take a look at this history and frankly look at the, the Wire Act of 1961 having anything to do with the modern world is preposterous. So um, either Congress or the courts, and I suspect it's the courts, are going to get this straightened out. Right. Okay. So we'll have to see how it plays out. In the meantime, uh, let's uh, try not to hit the panic button and uh, move on to uh, some lighter news. Uh, DraftKings' first ever sports betting national championship took place last weekend, and it was innovative. It was exciting. It was fun. The strategies were fascinating to watch play out. Our podcast guest last week, Brandon Adams, made the trip, and he was in the hunt on the final day. Uh, Another one of our early podcast guests, Cal Spears, finished in the money But all of that was overshadowed by the way the contest ended. Uh, On Sunday, contestants could only place bets on the two NFL playoff games, and all betting was to cease once the second game, uh, Eagles versus Saints, kicked off. Unfortunately, the Patriots-Chargers game ran long, and there was only about four minutes between the end of that game and the start of the next one. And a lot of players had their money tied up in Patriots-Chargers bets that won, but the money didn't hit their bankroll in time to bet it on the late game. As a result... The leader in the contest entering the late game, Rufus Peabody, which apparently is his real name, uh, had to stand pat despite wanting to place a bet or two. And two other people passed him on the leaderboard, and he ended up in third place. He still won about $320,000, but it could have been a million plus. Uh, So, John, I'm curious, do you think DraftKings is in any legal trouble here for the controversial way this played out? And do you expect to see a, a different approach to the final day the next time someone, whether it's DraftKings, FanDuel, whoever, tries a contest like this? Yeah, this is uh, interesting because in, in a way you want to say, oh, DraftKings should have known this was coming. But uh, I, I'm not sure it was that obvious. Um, one of the, the part of the close reading I did on this was that I noticed that DraftKings mentioned that players could have used the cash out option very late in the Patriots game and then mm-hmm. use that money to double down in the Saints Eagles game. So if that option was ignored and Peabody or others could have won that way, uh, that makes a big difference. Um, I mean, I don't blame them for just waiting for the end of the game, expecting to get the full cash out and then um, having time to bet the next game. I mean, I, that's understandable. They didn't do anything wrong. Right. But um, from a legal standpoint, I mean, I'm no lawyer, but uh, it seems like DraftKings might be okay by the letter of the contest rules. Uh, now, there's nothing yet from the Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement, uh, but that is a worry, I think, for them, given the agency's broad powers. And, you know, as far as, you know, there's going to be a next time. There, there, there was too many positives out of this contest. Um, right. And all the sharpest players watched what went down, and a lot of them saw it coming. And if they didn't, they see it now. You have a team of betters, try a variety of levels of aggressiveness on opening day, then maneuver a couple players into a position to win in the last game or two, and then go a couple different ways. I mean, it's uh, there's a lot of uh, probability in game theory here that that was figured out, frankly, even before the contest started to a lot of the Sharps credit. Yeah. As far as the cash out option, I'll note that um, some of the people playing in it claimed that some bets you could cash out early and some you couldn't. So that some of them may have been handcuffed on on some of those in terms of whether they had the cash out option uh, during uh, the, the Patriots Chargers game or, or not. Uh, it's also important to note that DraftKings uh, sent an email to all the players on Saturday mm-hmm. night warning them about a possible scenario like this. Um, so I, I kind of feel like that's key in, in helping them feel that their bases are covered legally. Um, but they definitely need to do something different going forward. I, I don't think they want this situation to crop up again. I agree with you that the, you know they're they're going to try another contest like this in the near future. I think they either need to allow people to place 
uh, an if-win bet, basically. You know, without the money in their account yet, they can place a, a theoretical bet and lock it in for when the money arrives. Um, or uh, someone suggested they could do something where all betting closes at 1 o'clock Sunday. You can bet on both games, but it's like a DFS lineup lock, sort of, that when the first game starts, all bets are done. Uh, I think that makes things very complicated strategically to uh, you know, make all your bets at once, not having a clue what the standings will be like uh, a few hours later. Um, but I think it would certainly be fair. Uh, yes, but I, I think that latter one, that, that kind of plays into a cartel's hands, right? They, they know, okay, we're going to do this. And if, uh, if this pair wins, we got it. If this pair wins, we got, it. you know, so the individual player, right. um, doesn't have that advantage. They have to, they have to, uh, lock in on one or the other. So I think the, if, win part is a little bit more interesting to me, mm-hmm. uh, the other possibility is just letting people bet, um, you know, in the opening five minutes of the second game. I mean, and you, obviously they do in, in play betting now, right? If there's an early touchdown, they do change the odds and you could let those betters in the contest, you know, bet on, on those numbers and, and do it that way. So they're, they're going to be able to figure it out. Yeah. And I've seen some people speculate that they should have done that on the fly here, but I don't think that was an option to change the rules on the fly. You got to stick with your rules, but you're right that maybe the next time they try this, the rules state that, you know, throughout the first quarter you can do in-game betting or, or whatever the first uh, 10 minutes of real time of or, or whatever it might be to extend that a little bit that's a good idea uh, one uh, other important note here uh, just about this event uh, is the overlay uh, that there were 260 entries DraftKings needed 500 to avoid overlay so they ended up shelling out 1.2 million to add to the prize pool um, interestingly I, I crunched the numbers they did profit $334,000 directly from the betting. That's the amount that 260 people lost over three days of betting. Um, but the event was still a, a money loser for DraftKings. I think they knew it would be, uh, but they've they've learned a few things. And I do believe, as you've said, they, they'll try again. And I think they'll come closer to hitting the guarantee next time. I think the, the interest uh, will go up. Um, and I just have to say that following it from afar, it was fun. It, it injected some new buzz into sports betting. So I say good for them for trying it, even if it was a little rough around the edges this time. Oh, yeah. I mean, this company and FanDuel, they've spent hundreds of millions of dollars on marketing and advertising. Um, a million dollars here or there. It's a rounding error for them. And it's, <laughs> yep. hard, it's hard to picture at first, but, you know, they spend a fortune and they bring in a fortune. And, um, you know, this thing, I, I, I doubt, that, other than the complication of, of how the contest came out, I think the overall uh, net, uh, it's a net positive in spite of the, uh, uh, you know, the, the bottom line loss in the short run. Agree. All right. Our final story this week, the December revenue report for New Jersey arrived on Monday. And for the first time since sports betting went live in the state, the handle is down month to month, only by a little. It fell from 330 million in November to 319 million in December. And the online numbers are still slightly up. Uh, but we do have some plateauing here with the New Jersey market, which shouldn't be a surprise. November is always a bigger sports betting month than December. There are fewer college football games in December. People take vacations. They put their money toward Christmas shopping, etc. Still, after six months of growth, 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 this is at least a small splash of cold water. Uh, but then again, we have this number, $1.25 billion dollars. That's the amount of sports betting handle for the year in New Jersey. So, uh, John, what are your thoughts in terms of big picture or any numbers within the numbers that stood out to you? 
Right. Well, that one point two five billion is uh, for the six and a half months that it was legal. Yeah. So, so basically, you're talking about uh, almost two and a half billion uh, to project for 2019, and really, it probably be a little bit ahead of that, maybe closer to three billion. So, yeah. um, I, I was a little surprised. Uh, we knew the month would not produce another seventy million dollar handle increase, but I expected at least a modest increase. Um, and I've been thinking about it. Obviously, uh, Pennsylvania going online. Uh, in December was a bigger impact that I figured in just their short first month. Um, but I, I think also um, a lot of the, the handle down was brick and mortar. And when I thought about it, you know, there's an issue at the Meadowlands where when the Giants and Jets play on Sundays, uh, they often take take out most of the day. You can go to the Sunday night game. Maybe you can go early. It's not a soccer game, but it kind of knocks out Sunday for a lot of the brick and mortar players. And Saturdays prove really popular in college football. So um, I think that the lack of college football games in December uh, really played into the brick and mortar number and played into the overall number. So, um, you know, keep in mind too, the New Jersey industry posted another $20 million revenue number for uh, December. So uh, they're not grow modestly over time. Uh, I think the bigger picture than any of the New Jersey numbers is uh, yesterday, uh, Tuesday, is that uh, powerful New York Governor Andrew Cuomo uh, pretty much clarified that sports betting beyond those four new upstate casinos and, and the Indy casinos too uh, is going to require a referendum. And that's going to give New Jersey another two years at least to siphon off cash from New York State residents. Um, they can't bet online legally there. They can't go to Yonkers Raceway or Aqueduct and make a legal sports bet there for even longer a period of time. So I think that is a bigger boost to New Jersey than, you know, kind of a, a blah December uh, revenue figure is. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that as well, that the the news out of New York <laughs> remains very good for New Jersey, that, that online isn't coming anytime soon. And uh this past month in New Jersey, 75.5% of total handle was online. So, I mean, we say this every month, it seems like, but any state that legalizes sports betting but not online sports betting is leaving most of the money on the table. And it seems initially, at least, that's what's going to happen in New York. Um, also really interesting to me that FanDuel's online sports book is closing the gap on DraftKings. Uh, their betting pricing is starting to win over customers, it seems. That that mm. seems to me that the big difference, the big reason to, to move from one to the other. And of course, if you add in their their land-based book uh, at the Meadowlands, FanDuel is now number one in the state. Yeah, I mean, and, and to get back to New York too, uh, you know, more bad news on, on that front with uh, Governor Cuomo. I, I think he's going to take a victory lap for getting uh, the casino and the Catskills and then three further north, uh, having legal sports betting by the spring or early summer or what have you. And that's going to make him feel like, hey, we made progress on sports betting. And that really puts in jeopardy any other action by the legislature. Uh, they had already approved sports betting for those casinos. That's right. just a matter of regulators giving the exact details and opening the books, the sports books. But um, to go beyond uh, whether it's uh, uh, talk of legislation or even getting a referendum together for for November, uh, I would not be surprised if that all went by the wayside. There's so many other bigger issues in New York, and there's a change of power. Uh, and like I said, I think Governor Cuomo is satisfied with just these casinos getting sports betting. So uh, bad news for our New York listeners. I don't think anything else is going to happen. And, and so unless you're content to go to the Catskills or way, way up north, uh, you're going to have to go to New Jersey if you want to bet legally. Yep. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview.
William Hill has long been one of the UK's leading bookmakers, and in 2012, it expanded to Nevada and now ranks among the most recognizable names in American sports betting. Uh, Joe Asher is the CEO of William Hill US, and he has a long and distinguished background in the gambling industry, not to mention a lifelong passion for horse racing. And he joins us now on the podcast. Joe, welcome to Gamble On. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us, Joe. Uh, we, we recently had... Dennis Drazen on the podcast, and we spoke about how long before PASPA was overturned, way back in 2012, Monmouth Park and William Hill developed a partnership. How confident was William Hill at that time that legal sports betting in New Jersey was coming soon? And and are you surprised nobody else got that far ahead of the curve? Well, I don't know if we were confident it was coming soon, but what we were confident on is that it was going to happen. Um, one day, didn't know whether that meant it was going to happen in 2013, 2015, 2017, uh, 2025, right? So, um, you know, I was confident it was going to happen. I just didn't know when it was going to happen. But, you know, the view was, look, one day it'll, it'll, it'll happen, and when it does, we'll be there. Okay, and, and, and it seemed your partnership started long before most other companies started making those inroads. Are, are you surprised that, uh, that that you didn't have a lot of company in, in terms of getting rolling all the way back in 2012? I don't know if I'm surprised or not surprised. I mean, I, I just know that, you know, back in, uh, in 2011, it was really late 2010, 2011, hmm. uh, William Hill was, um, uh, you know, looking to diversify beyond the UK, which is where... Uh, you know, the company was founded right. and, um, uh, you know, they wound up uh, doing a, uh, uh, a series of acquisitions out here in Nevada that were signed in 2011. Uh, and then, it, you know, the, the transactions um, were completed in 2012. And, you know, that became the William Hill U.S. business. And, um, you know, it's turned into a, a, a great business, a terrific, uh, you know, terrific investment. You know, I went from a uh, uh, you know, I was a seller in that context, and you know, William Hill came along at the right time and uh, turned out to be a, a terrific deal. Yeah, uh, Joe. Uh, speaking of diversifying, you know, obviously I attended your your launch of the William Hill Sports Lounge at the Prudential Center in Newark, uh, home of the Jersey Devils hockey team, late last year, and uh, you also have a presence with the Vegas uh, Knights in their arena out uh, there. Um, uh, can you talk about what, what's kind of the goal of each of those partnerships and, and do you expect any more of those kind of deals down the road? Oh, I think there'll be more of, of them to come. Um, you know, in they're a little different out here in Las Vegas. Um, the uh, look, the, the, the hottest thing going is the Vegas Golden Knights. And, and right. it's really hard to to explain uh, just how into hockey Las Vegas has become uh, with the Golden Knights. And of course, that was fermented during you know last year's magical season. Uh, but everybody's into the Golden Knights out here, and and you know we have a pretty big brand presence out here, and the company is well known. Uh, but you know to be able to reach some additional folks and reinforce the brand presence is why we wanted to uh, to do that deal uh, with the Golden Knights. And uh, you know there's signage. Uh, on what they call the dasher board, you know, the boards around the rink. There's uh, signage uh, that, that goes on intermittently on the ribbon. We, we came up with something called the William Hill line change uh, that, you know, that they do every period. And 
then a certain number of games a year, there's a promotion called the William Hill Long Shot, you know, where you shoot the puck from different parts of the ice and try to make a goal and you, you win a prize. And then there's other, you know, things as well that we're doing with the Knights, and it's been a, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, with the Devils, uh, a little bit different because we don't have that brand um, recognition uh, yet in New Jersey that we have in, in Nevada. And so uh, we're looking to, to build the brand and, and get people thinking about us. And one of the things you can do in, in New Jersey, of course, is you can register remotely for a mobile account. And so we came up with this idea of the William Hill Lounge, which is like a bar area with uh, some tables and uh, the odds are being shown along with um, uh, games on the TVs. And, you know, the idea is to get, you know, people thinking about William Hill and then maybe they download the app uh, and uh, and sign up uh, for an account with us. And so, you know, for us, those two deals make a lot of sense. and, And the NHL has been clearly at the forefront of allowing their teams to do partners with, uh, uh, with sports betting operators. Uh, and, and I think you'll see more of that stuff um, from us and from others uh, in the future. Okay. Uh, speaking of the future, I, I want to ask you a question about um, what's to come, but I guess I just putting the, the caveat out there that assuming the recent DOJ opinion doesn't slow things down too much, uh, you know, sports betting is constantly expanding. More and more states are going to have it. So what are William Hill's longer term goals in the U.S. and what do you view as key states to focus on? Well, right now we're, we're operating in the seven states that have legalized um, sports betting. Uh, and, and, of course, that, you know, that's Nevada where we have such a big presence. I mean, out here in Nevada we operate right now it's 109 uh, retail locations, and, and in the coming weeks that's going to grow to 114. And, of course, we have our mobile app. Uh, but, you know, we're the risk manager for the lottery in Delaware. And then, of course, we in New Jersey – you know, we've got our three sports books, uh, you know, uh, Ocean and the Tropicana in Atlantic City and Monmouth Park, as, as, as you mentioned earlier, as well as our mobile app. Uh, and then, you know, go beyond that, we're, we're operating with partners in 12 locations in Mississippi uh, with two in West Virginia. And then we're the risk manager in Rhode Island for the, uh, for the state lottery. Um, and uh, and uh, we're operating uh, with our partners at Penn National as well. And so as new states come online, obviously we're going to look to, uh, uh, to expand our presence and to operate uh, in those states. And then, of course, you know, we want to gain substantial uh, market share in each of the states in which we're operating. You know, in Nevada, we have the, you know, the, the leading market share. We're about 33% of the revenue uh, for sports betting in the state of Nevada, and that puts us at number one in the market. When we started back in 2012, we had 12% of the market, so we've really grown uh, pretty significantly uh, over time. And you know, we're going to do the same thing um, in each of the states uh, uh, where we're operating. That's that's always our goal. Okay, and so I, I guess based on your experience in Nevada, it's it's not necessarily essential that you are dominating right out of the gate. You you believe, uh, you know, you can over the over time you can gradually uh, increase your market share in each state that you're in. Eric, we're, we're, we're in the early steps of a marathon. Yep. And, um, you know, I mean, obviously there's a lot of exuberance around uh, PASPA being overturned and getting going in all these states and, 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 and all that. Uh, 
you know, look, we we um, we we built the business in Nevada. We've proven we can do it. We built the brand, and we've done it uh, in a in a in a very um, economically rational and profitable way. I mean, the as we've been building our market share, the profitability of of the business has grown exponentially, and you know that's that's what we're going to do elsewhere. We're growing our market share uh, in New Jersey, and and look, there are others who already had. Um, brands and a database in New Jersey that we didn't have. And so, of course, they were going to get off to a quicker start. But, uh, you know, we're in the early steps of the marathon. We're growing our market share now. We're investing a lot uh, in New Jersey. Uh, it's a hotly competitive market, obviously, as you know. But that's it's one market, right? There's, right. there's other markets uh, as well. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I don't think it makes sense to be overly focused on any one place. Uh, but to, to um, you know, to make sure that we're executing on on doing what we do so well, uh, the same way in other places, you know, that we've historically done in Nevada, without losing focus on our Nevada business, um, which is doing so well at the moment. Yeah, Joe, you know, I remember growing up uh, just north of uh, New York City in the 1970s, and yeah, there was a bookmaker in, in our neighborhood, and it's a pretty well-known fact, and uh, as it turns out, one of his sons has, has followed in his footsteps. Um, I understand your block growing up had a, had a bookie, too, and can you tell us about how did that work, and what was the general attitude among the neighbors about that? Yeah, well, my, um, I've, I've, I've talked, as you know, John, about my dad's bookie. Um, it, it wasn't on the block where we lived, but it was only a couple blocks from the newsstand he had in downtown Wilmington. My dad had a a newsstand at 8th and Market Street in uh, in Wilmington, Delaware, and a couple blocks away uh, at uh, at 8th and Orange was uh, you know this little tiny storefront where a fellow named Tony Franakis was the the bookie, and you know people would go in there and bet the horses um, using uh, you know the racing form and something that at the time was called the Armstrong, and then uh, and then of course betting on sports and uh, and Tony had a you know, he had a uh, a payphone uh, in uh, in we called it the bookie joint, uh, and you know people would call in uh, to make their bets. And so, um, you know, and then you know, a few blocks away there was a a, a place where you know people would come and bet on cards. Uh, and then um, you know parlay cards were floating around uh, as well. And so, um, you know, it was just it was. It was part of the environment, I guess, is the best way to put it, John, just part of the environment in, in which I, uh, I grew up. And, you know, my dad was always betting, be it on uh, horses or, or sports or playing cards or what have you. I mean, you know, we used to go out to the, uh, uh, to the racetrack, um, you know, regularly when Brandywine was running and on weekends, Delaware Park. Uh, and, uh, you know, when Atlantic City opened up, my dad started going to Atlantic City. Uh, and so, um, you know, it was just part of the environment. So, you know, I, I, I think I have a pretty good feel for, you know, the, the sports betting culture in the Northeast uh, and in New Jersey um, and, and, and the surrounding states. Yeah, last thing on that, Joe, did, uh, you know, did, Joe, did Tony have to worry about the cops rousting him at any time or not really? No, I think, I think you know, I don't know what kind of what the, what the economic relationship was between Tony and the cops, but every once in a while they poked their head in to make sure everything was okay. So, you know, um, you know I, I, I certainly, you know, don't, ne- never in my time did, you know, Tony ever get, uh, Tony ever get busted. It was just, you know, part of the, uh, 
part of the uh, culture in in, uh, in downtown Wilmington at the time. Really interesting stuff. Uh, it's it's been great talking to you, Joe. Uh, th- thanks so much for uh, coming on the podcast with us today. Oh, happy to do it. Thank you. Right, thanks, time. Two men, two men, ten thousand dollars. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. We will get to our NFL playoff picks in a few minutes, uh, but first let's update our bankroll. And I'm afraid it ain't pretty. And like Alshon Jeffrey in the locker room after Sunday's game, I have to take the blame and say that this is on me. Uh, you <laughs> split You split your bets, John. Uh, the... Rams-Cowboys under uh, was a bad beat, as you uh, delicately noted at the top of the show, uh, costing us $110, but you won $138 on Mark Leishman. Uh, I think golf is the new college football for you. I don't want to jinx it, but you're, uh, you're, you're doing well with your golf bets. Um, unfortunately, I went 0 for 2, uh, really 0 for 3, if you want to get technical. Uh, I tried an underdog bet on the Colts' money line and lost 100 bucks there, and I thought I was being safer and smarter with a boxing bet on favorite Jose Uzkategi, but Caleb Plant boxed beautifully and pulled the upset, so we lost $152 on Uzkategi, plus we lost another 10 bucks on the draw bet. Uh, so my my hedge didn't uh, didn't help us. In fact, it hurt us just a little bit. Uh, just bad picks by me all around. Collectively, we lost $234 this week, putting us in the red for the first time in a few months. We are down. Drum roll, please. Seven dollars. Um, we <laughs> also that draw pick. That draw pick killed us. We'd be up yeah, three. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Ugh. What a mistake. Uh, Anyway, uh, we also have $910 on hold in futures bets, leaving us $9,083 to bet with this week. And I'm up first, and I'm possibly hinting at one of my NFL picks with this, but so be it. I like the Saints on the money line against the Rams. Uh, The best I found was minus 188 on bet stars so i'm betting 188 dollars to win a hundred dollars i think the afc matchup is a real toss-up but in this game in the nfc i feel there's a clear favorite the saints are at home they won at home the first time these teams met they have the superior defense Drew Brees just turned 40 and has to be playing with a little bit of a last chance mentality Michael Thomas is emerging as maybe the best receiver in the league I just feel like the Rams are still a year away and the Saints are there right now. Uh, I could see it being close. Uh, I'm reluctant to risk our bankroll on the three and a half point spread, uh, but I am confident that New Orleans wins this game. All right. Um, yes, you're right. Another uh, cash cash on golfing uh, has me feeling a little frisky this week. So, uh, yeah, Mark Leishman I had for top 10 and he finished high for third. So that was a, a, a comfortable win all weekend. Um, Patrick Cantlay is another PGA Tour stud who is just under the radar for the more casual fan. And with another kind of a modest quality level field in the Desert Classic this week, um, give me Patrick Cantlay at 100 to win 225 for a top 10 and 100 to win 450 for a top five. Um, so six to 10 leaves me just a little bit ahead. Um, incidentally, these lines on uh, DraftKings were 275 and 550 yesterday. So some sharps clearly read my mind and uh, bet accordingly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but we got the double bet on Cantlay. All right. Uh, you can lay on Cantlay or something mm-hmm. like that. I got to workshop that a little bit. Um, for my next bet, I know my boxing bets haven't been great. Uh, had a couple. I had a couple of good hits. You know, I got that one women's fight right, and I got one big payout on the majority decision in, in Canelo Triple G. Uh, but I think I'm I'm a tiny bit behind overall on my boxing bets. That changes now. 
Manny Pacquiao faces Adrian Broner on Showtime pay-per-view on Saturday night. I'm actually headed to Vegas to cover it soon after we finish recording this podcast. Even at age 40, Pacquiao is still world-class, and he's about a 3-to-1 favorite over underachiever Broner. And if Pacquiao's going to win, it's going to be by decision. Broner has an excellent chin. Pacquiao has one knockout in the last nine years. He's more boxer than puncher now and has been for a while. So to me... The fact that you can get plus money on Pacquiao by decision is a gift. Uh, you can't get it everywhere. He's he's five to six on site to win by decision at the MGM Grand, uh, but he's plus 105 on FanDuel. Uh, so that's where I'm placing the bet. And I'm going bigger than usual, John. I'm doing 200 to win 210 on Pacquiao specifically by decision. All right. We're good. We're getting after it a bit, I see. Um, so I may just watch this from the sidelines on my real bankroll, but um, I see DraftKings will let me risk $100 to win 225 on the Patriots scoring the fewest points of the weekend. Um, they list it as least points, which is a little bit irritating to me, but um, <laughs> they won't score a lot of points. Uh, Patriots are not so much on the road. You got the cold weather, got the old man at quarterback. Um, we, I, I know I know from uh, arthritis in this weather, so uh, uh, I'm pretty comfortable with that. And I think if we can cash any of these, uh, we're going to be in good shape. Yeah, uh, I like your grammatical nitpicking there as well. I, as an editor, I, I stand by you on that one. I'm with you. <laughs> All right, and we move along to our NFL picks. 11-0 and is no longer in play for me after I went 2-2 two and two last week, but I am guaranteed to finish over 500 as I'm at 6-2 and two so far in the playoff slate. Uh, John, you need to be perfect from here on out to finish over 500. Uh, you went 1-3 and three last week, so now you sit at 3-5. and five. Uh, Remember that we're using the latest lines on FanDuel Sportsbook in New Jersey as of our recording time uh, and first up is the nfc championship rams at saints saints favored by three and a half and i'll go first on this one you probably guessed from my money line bet that i'm taking the saints uh it, it's a good line though uh not an easy call at all um but you know i'm not going to try to to middle this with the saints money line and the rams to cover but lose uh i i like the saints to cover um but it it, it should be close i think you know between a, a three and seven point victory i, I would expect i'm thinking close game but kind of like the the saints side of it uh, well, we can stop the fight, and congratulations, you just won the uh, <laughs> the uh, Gamble On first annual uh, postseason uh, tournament, because uh, I'll note that uh, home teams are 10-0 and in conference games the last five years, 8-2 and versus spread, if that means anything, I don't even know anymore. Um, the Saints <laughs> got a terrible first quarter out of the way last week, and uh, had been following basically two weeks off, they're a little rusty, um, they'll be in battle mode right away for this one, so I also like the Saints, and uh, again, congratulations. <laughs> Thanks very much. And the next one, yeah, I'm going to try uh, Patriots at Chiefs, Chiefs by three. Uh, give me the Chiefs, uh, who made me look like a chump in rolling the Colts and 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 you too, I suppose. Uh, Pat Mahomes doesn't care about silly jinxes or Andy Reid not being able to win the, win the big one. He doesn't care about any of that. Um, you know, his dad was a major league pitcher, and uh, he's got some competitive juices in him, and he's absolutely fearless. Uh, this could be a double-digit victory, I think. Hmm. Uh, okay, I, and I kind of figured you were going that way based on uh, your Patriots to uh, score the fewest points, uh, not the least. Um, but, uh, you know, I really struggled with this one. Um, last Sunday afternoon, when the games were ended and we knew who the teams were going to be, I was thinking Chiefs. Uh, it's their time. They're the more talented squad. I'm ready to take Andy Reid over Bill Belichick. But then the weather report started coming in, and it's going to be frigid in Kansas City on the one hand, the cold might affect an old guy like Brady more than a young guy like Mahomes, but the fact is Brady has experience in these high-stakes playoff games and freezing temperatures. He won't be rattled by it. 
I think the weather gods are looking out for the Patriots and taking away some of the Chiefs' home field advantage. Uh, plus, I'm getting three points, so I'm actually going to go with the Pats here. Um, and I'll root for the Chiefs to win by one or two because uh, nobody outside <laughs> New England should ever root for the Patriots. Um, and, and also, I, I have a real-life bet uh, that someone other than the Patriots or Rams will win the Super Bowl. So I'd love to be able to cash that in this week and not have to worry about it next week. I think you might. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan and follow U.S. Bets at U.S. underscore Bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. And with that, John Badbeat Brennan, please do the honors and take us out. Thanks, Eric. I'm moving on from that. And uh, kids out there in the Northeast and Midwest, don't forget headgear whenever you go out this winter. Even a baseball cap will help retain some of that heat. You know, you'll thank me later. And uh, until next time, gamble on.